Open your cerebral cortex and shift your lobes into upper beta phase because you are going to have Bitcoin knowledge transmitted directly into your vestibulocochlear. Your host of Bitcoin Knowledge is Trace Mayer, an early Bitcoin advocate since it cost a quarter, but this is not intended to be investment advice. A doctor of jurisprudence, but this is definitely not legal advice. And an investor in core cryptocurrency infrastructure, including Armory, BitPay, Kraken, and Mitagio, but this is not a recommendation of those services. Here, you get fed via direct mind download with pure and free Bitcoin knowledge. Welcome back to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast. We have a very exciting interview with us today. We have Pablo Gonzalez. He's the CEO of Bitso. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Teresa. It's great to be here and uh, great to be in Mexico, uh, you know, like with all the Bitcoin uh, crowd uh, locally. Yeah, and all good. everything that's going on. So how, how did you get into Bitcoin? So I got into Bitcoin through our other founder of Bitso, uh, Ben Peters, who's our CTO. Uh, about three, four years ago, he told me about this thing that he read that's called Bitcoin, and he tried to explain me. So at first, I didn't understand, but it was a bit of an intriguing for me. So I went back home, and I started Googling it, and that was it. That was when uh, everything went to... <laughs> I, I just got into it and got obsessed by uh, the technology, got obsessed by uh, the potential, so... I just want to know more, and uh, that's kind of how uh, it evolved. Now, what's really exciting about my uh, BitPay, for example, uh, their transaction volumes, they're growing everywhere. They're growing in North America, they're growing in Europe, they're growing in Asia. But far and away, Latin America is where the big growth is coming with BitPay. What do you think is driving that? Like, what's going on in Latin America in the Bitcoin community? That's completely true. Uh, you know, other than uh, Argentina, where there's a vibrant community, and there's been a vibrant community for a few years, in Latin America, the community was very small. So at the beginning, the, the volumes were small, the growth was low, and for the past year, Latin America has been waking up to this technology. And the thing in Latin America that's very potent is that there's so much potential. There's so many holes to fix with this technology uh, that that is driving a lot of the growth. It's, uh, I lived in Canada for 11 years, and that's when I first got into Bitcoin. And uh, when I was down there, there's a lot of potential for change for Bitcoin, and uh, I was already intrigued by it. But looking back at uh, you know a place like Mexico, where you have a very low population of uh, that's bank. So in Mexico, seven out of ten Mexicans do not have a bank account. Wow, I didn't know it was uh, that high. It's super high, and then uh, there's like twelve percent of the population has credit cards. So most of the economy, it's, it's a cash economy. People do not trust. There, there's a trust issue. Well, People, yeah, because they devalue every every couple of years in all these different countries. You know, whether it's yeah. the real, the Argentine peso. I mean, we uh, have a pretty strong devaluation from December to March. From uh, but the Mexican peso has been very strong. So it's one of the most stable economies in Latin America. It's actually not like uh, the the only thing that happened is that the U.S. dollar got stronger against right. everything else. But but more than. The devaluation, like, uh, yeah, we had a couple uh, times that the Mexican peso in 94, for example, 
it went from uh, three pesos for, per dollar to 11, right? So we had a couple times where it's been really bad. But the thing is that people do not trust these institutions uh, to put their money in these institutions and they feel like they're getting watched and, you know, there's a cultural issue, but there's also a location issue. So, you know, Mexico is a big country and uh, there's, if you look at all the municipalities in Mexico, uh, only half of them have a financial institution in them, whether it's a bank or, a, you know, a, or even a Western Union. So even if people wanted to be banked, they have to travel to this physical location and, uh, you know, get a bank account. And that limits their ability to, you know, like trade with people. So you can only do commerce as long as your physical ability allows you. Yeah, let alone e-commerce. Yeah, yeah, e-commerce. It's probably uh, very difficult down here. Exactly. So what excited me is that in Mexico, you have an extremely high uh, cell phone uh, adoption. So almost every Mexican now has a cell phone. So it's, it's 99% of Mexicans has access to a cell phone signal. Smartphones are growing, I mean, even faster than the U.S., right? Mm -hmm. So, and it's a pretty young population. So Mexicans are like a 26-year-old uh, median, 26 and a half. So it's one of those places that is perfect. Uh, it's just primed for these type of... Uh, innovations to take over and for me that's the thing that was extremely exciting and you know when, when we were looking at Mexico and there was nothing happening you know in Canada or in the US or in Europe there was a lot of uh, you know interesting Bitcoin projects but in Mexico it was very slow very small community so we decided to come back and you know and set up and try to promote the benefits of uh, you know what this technology could bring so that was, you know, the, the thing that uh, initiated this, uh, you know, like the community here to start growing. And then there's other companies that started popping up. So for me, the potential in, you know, like you see developed countries and yeah, they can use Bitcoin, but already the infrastructure is pretty good. But developing countries, I think that's where it's at. You know, developing countries where, you know, like, People don't have bank accounts, there's uh, corruption, there's, there's many problems, and there's so many things that you can fix. The, the opportunity is enormous. And, and especially, you know, Mexico, I think, is a very interesting use case because, uh, like, you know, you go back and look at the history a couple hundred years ago. The U.S., they had their own domestic law, you know, because they fought the revolution, but Mexico was still very much under the Spanish, and the Spanish would come up with, you know, they'd come up with these policies, but they wouldn't work on the ground, and so then it's kind of bred this culture where you've, where, where they've had to work around the law in order to just survive. So I think that that might be one of the reasons why they don't see much of a need for intermediaries down here. You know, whether it's banks or financial institutions, they, you know, they, they are, take care of themselves. And they, you know, they, they take care of themselves and they, like, why should I trust them? You know, they're just going to try and t steal my money anyways. It, it is a culture where people say, I will take care of myself. The government is not going to do it for me, right? So it's been like that, as you say, for many yeah. years. And it's created that culture. And even then, you know, it was, uh, you know, if you look at hundreds of years ago, it was a very uh, feudal system. Uh -huh. So you had these uh, 
you know, like Spanish lords that were already Mexican. Uh, even the the revolution. What the Zapatas? Yes, uh, you know, so, the, you know, like the independence was started by Spaniards. Uh, everything, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, like you have these uh, divisions in Mexico that are still present. So, yeah, people don't want to store their money with the government or something like, why, like why trust them? And, but the problem is it, it ends up being quite, uh, you know, it's, it's a bit of a cancer, right? Because uh, there's a lot of people that cannot progress if they don't have financial tools exactly. that everybody else has. So, you know, for me, that's, you know, there's, yeah, there's that divide and yeah, people take care of themselves, but at the same time, they're already on a disadvantage from the start. Well, well, Bitcoin is, is great for that in the sense that it helps with trust minimization. They can trust the protocol instead exactly. of trusting a, an intermediary or third party. And then you can begin to build the tools on top of that yes. for the, that'll solve a lot of the other problems that people have. So, I mean, what, what are you doing at Bitso to, to solve some of these solutions then? Well, to provide the solutions yes, exactly. to solve some of these problems. I mean, one of the things that you mentioned that they can trust the protocol. The problem with people trusting the protocol is that they need to know about the protocol. They need to understand the protocol. And most people won't take any time to do that. You know, if you're hitting at that uh, our audience, that's the 7 out of 10 Mexicans that do not have a bank account. Well, yeah, but they can have like a bread wallet or a copay wallet. And then, you know, they're trusting uh, the protocol in the sense that they've got their own private keys. And they're, yeah. it's a free open source wallet that they're using. They're not having to trust the bank or a third-party institution with the keys to their money. Yeah, no, exactly. But, you know, for those things to work, they need to be able to understand kind of how it works. And have some trust in and it. And have some yeah. trust in it. And some people do, but that's a slower change. You know, that's going to take more time. So what we do is we, we have people trusting, uh, you know, like we're trying to make Bitcoin easier for people to use. So we're trying to set up these infrastructures that it connects to systems that are already in place and we just make them more efficient. So what would be an example of that? One of the examples is uh, the remittance use cases, right? So Yeah, because it's the largest corridor in the world, you know, United yes. States to Mexico. United States to Mexico is the largest corridor in the world. Uh, so yeah, we're doing yeah, use cases where we offer these solutions to remittance companies so they integrate to Bitso. And they're able to move funds easier and they're able to automate more things so that the end product, uh, it's maybe an app where they receive their remittances and it's super easy for the customer and they can go and pick up their money on an ATM and you're kind of removing a bit of the Bitcoin from Bitcoin, but uh, the end product ends up being, uh, you know, like people think like they're just downloading an app. So for example... Like, Mexico was the first country to have more Facebook accounts than uh, than there's popular citizens in Mexico. Oh, wow. So, just to give you an idea of yeah. what type of culture, you know, like, when something takes off, it really does. And, uh, you know, for, the, for these use cases, it's because it's practical, because it's accessible. So, it's about accessibility. And, yeah, there's a trust factor, but if, it, if something's very accessible people will trust it a bit better rather than having you go to the branch and you sit down for an hour while they interview you and try to open a bank account. 
here they can just download an app, right? Right. Like a copy wallet or something. And like so, that. so is it kind of like Abra then? You uh, you you plug in, you, you use Bitcoin as the rails uh, for these remittances. Yeah. I mean, do you- well, us as Pizza, we don't really offer the consumer solutions. Okay. We we're more of a you know like B two B B two B like we're offering the infrastructure. So when we're looking at Mexico and we identified all these issues that were happening, you know, with uh, both uh, financial access, uh, remittances, international payments, things like that, we identified that none of these would work without having a you know a liquidity pool, like, well, an easy way to change from peso to Bitcoin and vice versa and an easy way to plug into the local payment networks, things like that. Yeah, you gotta, so, you, you have to have an exchange. Exactly. Uh, you know, that's one of the reasons I funded Kraken. You know, yes. we, we have to have an exchange. It, we we got to have a wallet to secure our yes. Bitcoins. Once we have our Bitcoins secured, we got to have an exchange in order yes. to create the liquidity. And so you're you're focusing on that uh, that that fundamental piece of the exchange portion. Exactly. That, so yeah, we're focused on the exchange portion, but compared to many other exchanges in Mexico, we don't have that many like many speculators that right. come in and do you know uh, day trading things like that. Yeah, there's some. But, but you're focused more on the business to business side. On so the international you're, payment You're helping side. connect like the the Mexican Bitcoin economy with the businesses that interact with the retails to the, exactly. the larger liquidity pools like Kraken and Bitfinex and Bitstamp and everything. Exactly. So, for example, one of the things that, you know, like BitPay, BitPay we're working with BitPay and BitPay, BitPay settles their merchant payments with us. So we have a into way... Into the Mexican pesos? Into the Mexican okay. pesos. And we push those payments to the merchants. Okay, perfect. So we're not going after the merchants, but we're offering the the liquidity pool, yeah, you, the you payment the, systems. You provide this modularized uh, yeah. piece that helps get that done. Exactly. You know, so, and then we get some economies of scale. You're able to focus on that, yes. and then BitPay is able to focus on merchant acquisition, and exactly. we're not duplicating a bunch of work. So yeah, it's uh, companies like Abra, like BitPay, Align Commerce, they're connecting to Bitso. Okay. And we're doing the... We make it really easy for these partners to connect. Uh, one of the things we have, uh, we're connected into the banking system like a bank. So we can create bank account numbers for our customers. So when they open their accounts, they get a unique bank account number where they can push payments real-time from any bank in Mexico. Oh, interesting. So funds get created in minus five seconds uh, to their Bitso accounts or vice versa. We can push uh, funds to any bank account or, we, you know, in Mexico or mobile numbers. So there's this thing in Mexico called lightweight banking. And that was an initiative from the government to bank more people because banks weren't Because getting banks weren't it done. doing it. <laughs> no, they weren't doing it. I mean, they've been trying for 30 years and the progress... It's just so slow. So they they try to do something with mobile banking, similar to M-Pesa. Okay, yeah. But it's it struggled a bit. I mean, there's uh, maybe 4 million customers using that. But what we do is that we send payments to a mobile number. They're able to get, you know, let's say you have Bitcoin and you're going to pay somebody in Mexico. You can pay to a mobile number. They get the pesos. And then they just go to a convenience store like OXO, get a card, and we run an ATM. So we're making it easy with these very like uh, easy access. Uh, yeah, they're you know not as KYC, you know, because the limits are pretty low. Uh-huh. Not as KYC accounts, so people can trust them and access them and and have some of the tools. 
So, and, and it probably makes it a lot easier for their relatives yes. the, to, to remit the money back and have exactly. lower fees. So, for example, if you're a remittance company, you can connect to us really easy with our APIs. We have like remittance APIs. We have things very specialized for international payments. And we can just push the funds, uh, pesos, to bank account, like buying mobile numbers. Well, so. you know, I interview pretty much just CEOs for the podcast. Uh, I, I like to hope that they listen to interviews besides just their yes. own. If you're speaking directly to some of the CEOs of Bitcoin companies, what are the business opportunities that they could have with Bitso? Okay. Like, how can they build some bridges? How can they plug in with you? How can, like, they, they tap into this Mexican market without having to really incur a bunch of expenses exactly. tapping into the Mexican market? So we, we make it really easy. That, and that's one of the things that makes Bitso different. So for these uh, partners uh, wanting to come in Mexico, what we do, we're an enabler for, you know, like, let's say, uh, BitPay. Like, so BitPay's we, a good example. BitPay's a really good example where they we don't, they don't even need to have a Mexican uh, entity. They were just able to come in, plug into our exchange. You know, we set up an account with them and they can push payments in real time. They don't need a bank account. So we, we enable international businesses to connect, tap into the Mexican market in, you know, with very low uh, barrier of entry. So if you're, you know, especially in international payments, that's where we're seeing uh, a lot of potential. So, for example, Line Commerce is one of our partners that we're working. And Mexico is really interesting because from Latin America, Mexico is king for cross-border payments. So remittance corridor, it's a 24 billion a year uh, market. But trade, like import, export, that's 800 billion. billion. Yeah, oh, so yeah. It's 33 times larger. And a lot of it is small and medium businesses that charge a lot of money and things like that. So, uh, you know, when they want to move funds, it's pretty expensive for them, right? Yeah. So when looking at that, uh, there's so much potential in Mexico for cross-border payments, for uh, like e-commerce. Uh, the, the amount of fraud in Mexico it's, uh, it's I, I forgot the number, but it's incredibly high. The amount of credit card fraud, the amount of... Uh, and that's because, you know, the systems are not... Uh, they're just not in place. Not you in know, place. They, there, there isn't really a market here. Only 30% are banked. Exactly. Only 12% have yes. a credit card. Like, why build all these systems? Uh, and nobody's so using those tools. Yeah, it's expensive I mean, to build the systems. I'm sure you've been to a lot of... Well, like, uh, the fintech conferences, like Money 2020 yeah. and things like that. Half of the people there, they're uh, credit card, uh, fraud prevention, and risk management uh, businesses. And I'm just looking around and I'm like, why do we even need this? All these guys are completely <laughs> unnecessary with Bitcoin, right? So, well, I mean, we create an intermediary, yes. then we have to create another yeah. intermediary to solve the problem that comes from and having that, the, the first yeah. intermediary. Like, and most of and more of those are coming up and they're just popping up. And, and, it, and it just keeps this. raising the cost exactly. and raising the cost and raising the cost yes. using those methods. Whereas, you know, why? If you're on the ground in Mexico, you look at it and you're like, well, why should I pay all that money for that? I'll just use cash. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Or bang with ease, you know, with Bitcoin. Like you're removing all that, all those layers of unnecessary fat because 
that's what it is. You know, it just started becoming more complex. Yeah. And there's all this risk management for payments and things and, you know, all these compliance things. You can automate everything in Bitcoin and you don't have the worries about fraud. You can automate your compliance. You can automate everything, right? Because you're... You connect to the yeah, money when it's directly. Progr it's programmable money. Yeah. So, you know, when I look at those things, uh, it's 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 kind of a, you know in Mexico, I think people are going to skip the generation from having a credit card and they're going to go directly into to Bitcoin to Bitcoin. Yeah, kind of like mobile Bitcoin skipping money the land, or, skipping the landline and going yes, straight to a cell phone type exactly. of thing. Yeah, you'd you'd interacted with the central bank here in Mexico. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that experience. So yeah, we've been, we've been very active with the regulators. So one of the big bets we've done um, Bitso, is that if this is going to work, we need to push forward the compliance front, the regulation front. So we went to talk to the regulators last year to a central bank and they know... Well, and this was 2014. This is 2014. Okay. Well, at the beginning, what we did, uh, there's, uh, it's not the central bank, but the supervising entity for financial institutions. We consulted with them before opening Bitso, and they said, you know, it's not illegal, and it's not regulated yet. And have fun. Have fun. Well, not have fun, <laughs> but be like, <laughs> responsible and, uh, you know, get it. Yeah, uh, go for it. So when we're talking to the central bank, uh, they, they know quite a bit about Bitcoin. They... They know, well, as many central banks, but Mexico, it's a very progressive central bank. It's one of the few institutions that works best, the central bank. So they were able to say, look, right now it's just tiny. I have bigger things to worry. Uh, there's money laundering in these uh, street currency exchangers like yeah, I know there's not business. Tomorrow, right? <laughs> yeah, so you know you get Wells Fargo, yeah. Wachovia, Milan, and well, HSBC, the drug cartels, yeah, and HSBC. Yeah, exactly. They got bigger fish to fry, right? So they, you know, they said, well, this is just not worth our you know our time and attention. We'll look for it. You know, we'll look after it. Keep us updated. So we we've done that. Well, it's good for them to have a phone number and a friendly uh, no, face that they can call yes. when they got questions about yeah. it. So. Then, you know, like that evolved a bit after BitLicense was released. So Mexico generally grabs U.S. regulation. They do a Google Translate, change a couple things, and then that's it, right? They send it to the Senate. So when, when the BitLicense came out, there was some pressure for a supervising entity, no, the, the normative entity, to regulate Bitcoin. So we've been talking to them actively, and... Uh, we would help them understand, you know, what the technology is, how, uh, you know, like there's different, it's not as simple as, okay, you just grab some law, translate it, adapt it to Mexican regulation. There's nuances yeah. that need to be different and nuances like, you know, multi-signature. We spent two hours uh, drawing charts about multi-sig because, for example, we're integrated with Bitcoin. So with in Bitco. Bitco, with okay. Bitco. So for security and keep our, you know, yeah. we want to make sure that you, you, we're no doing things. Gox. Yeah, no man docks <laughs> and all these things. And it's great and we love it because it's, you know, it makes our exchange more secure. But the way that the law was written, uh, that's what's going to go out for uh, Bitcoin, it would make a company like Bitco be regulated in yeah. Mexico because they have one of the keys. And uh, and we were like, well, if there's one company in Mexico that they're working on, which is Bitso, 
and suddenly they need to be regulated, are they just going to say, screw no. it, I'm, yeah. I'm out it's of too Mexico, expensive. it's too expensive, and then we're not going to get the cool technological innovations, we're not going to get the security, the protection. So We're going to get blackballed by the industry exactly. because it's too small of a market. It's a chicken and the egg type of problem. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, we, like locally, they've been very open and we've been able to, uh, you know, work on this law that's getting created for regulating uh, Bitcoin entities. So it's becoming a very friendly, very, it's one of the best uh, regulations we have and they actually we i have them on my whatsapp and they ask me things right now and then <laughs> so it's good you know like we're trying like that's what we set out to do is to promote positive um, yeah. things interaction for this with them. technology in mexico and it it goes from government to regulators to businesses private uh, banks things like that so you, you cannot just go and try to you know go around these things so yeah, well, it's been a been just a tremendous interview we've had with us, Pablo Gonzalez. He's the CEO of Bitso. Uh, thanks for being with us. Oh, thank you very much, Trace. Pleasure. Be sure to get a copy of the free Bitcoin guide at freebitcoinguide.com. Got a question or suggestion? Record your voice at bitcoin.kn. Don't be shy. To help the show, share Bitcoin.kn with friends, post about it on Reddit, and otherwise, spam the interwebs. Your iTunes comments and five-star reviews are very important to us. Please continue tuning in to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast, where we release interviews with the top people in the Bitcoin world. Now take some choline and let that Bitcoin knowledge consolidate.